0: Always find what you love at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of our friendly guides. And with every bottle comes the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits not sold in Virginia or North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B-21. This is the Ed Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. This is going to be a great show today. Wanted to do it for a long time. Uh, the gentleman needs no introduction. Five best-selling books, 12 years on television. He's uh, my favorite shark of all the sharks, and a few of them are my friends, so I say that with some some bias. He's also, in my opinion, one of the greatest motivational and business speakers on earth. He's one of my favorite people to listen to took like 40 bucks turned it into billions of dollars in fubu and he's one of the great entrepreneurs of all time too so damon john welcome to max out good to have you here
1: thank you ed i mean i
0: think the the the
1: um feeling and the respect is
0: mutual thank you for the
1: kind words and i appreciate being here
0: thank you brother if i met you young i'm just curious would i have known this was going to happen for you i mean was there something about you that had i met you as a young man that would have indicated all of this would happen for you you
1: know, it depends on the time you met me during my life. You know, at at the time when I was super naive and I thought it was just easy, you would have met me. I'd have been like, not a problem. And then that would have been probably around 16 or 17. I think that's when, you know, they like to induct uh, people into the armed forces, because that's the smartest and the dumbest time of your life. And at that time, I thought I would have been it. And then right around 21, 22, I realized that I took that one year off of school, off of college, you know, to, you know, to pursue other things that one year became forever. I laughed at all the other kids who searched a higher uh, education. And around 22, 23, I was broke uh, as a waiter in Red Lobster. And all those kids that I laughed at was coming back from college. And I said, maybe I'm the idiot. So it all depends on the time that you met me in life and how naive I was.
0: And if, if life had Kicked me in the teeth properly the way it should have. The thing I noticed when we met. The reason I ask you that is that, and we'll go to your a little bit, you know, about your upbringing a little bit. But when I met you, one of the things that struck me, and we both met lots of people, is your personal presence. So I've heard you say before, um, I'm, I'm short, I'm black, and I'm dyslexic. You know, and that's you. You described yourself that way. When I met you, I met a man with a ton of personal presence, almost bordering on almost intimidating. Uh, but certainly a lot of confidence. That's what what I ask. Have you always had that, or is that something you developed as you became more successful, or were you conscious, like, I need to develop this air of confidence about me? Because all these entrepreneurs are listening to this, and one of the things I think a lot of them lack is just some personal presence and self-confidence. Did you always have it, or did you work on it? I
1: I think it was a learned trade, uh, you know, and being the short black whatever. but let's just say in my neighborhood, I was short, I... Uh, you know, a lot of kids, you know, at that time were tough or they were drug dealers or fighters. I never really knew how to fight really well. Could I hold my own? Yes. But mm-hmm. there's always somebody with a bigger wallet, bigger winky and a bigger fist than you in the world. Mm-hmm. And I always realized that I think that it was then when I was able to manipulate my surroundings by knowing that the bigger kids respected me because I was smart or because some of the other cool kids or the drug dealer friends of mine respected me because I had a moral standard. And I said, listen, if you got something in the car and I know we're good friends, just let me, tell me to get out, man. Don't put me really? in that situation. And as I started to, um, you know, gain respect in various different areas of various different people, um, I found that I gained the confidence to walk into a room and know that I'm all I got right? And I'm not going to overplay or disrespect you. And I never played smarter than I was. So I love when, you know, when you and I, uh, when we speak to uh, colleges or VCs or whoever, it's a lot of people in the room often with the big brains, you know, like, especially when I speak at big, huge schools, Mm -hmm. I make sure I go in the room and I say, listen, I'm only going to tell you my story. And this is my story. And this is what I have retained from my story. However, the people here, the professors, they can teach me a lot of things on a PhD level, and I so I uh, uh, I don't even want to take away from them because I value what they do. And then all of a sudden, you see the professor sitting up in the audience, <clears throat> looking around, because yep. they know that I could have came in and said, "Well, I missed the so forth and so on, and this is the way it is." Mm-hmm. And so when I when I uh, walk into a room, I appreciate the other person's positioning. I know where I stand, and I think that that makes us. And, and I try to bring that other person up if they if they're not feeling like they're there. I think that that's what gives me the confidence because I know I'm exuberant in confidence as well as I'm trying to bring the confidence out of the person in the world uh, of the room. And I respect them. And I hope hopefully that that is that is what you you will witness it.
0: Yeah, I did. Like, uh, it, uh, I go and it's when people have asked me, about it, I've described it. And I think there's this balance with successful entrepreneurs. of it. obviously they have to have a great idea. They have to be able to execute. They have a really unique balance that I see in you of of really a presence and a self-confidence yet humility to learn and to grow and to be open. You seem to have like that ma- major combination. Go back to the upbringing, just because I want people to understand you're one of the most well-known obviously because of Shark Tank entrepreneurs too. But like th- you've written five books and, uh, but you are are you you legitimately dyslexic? Like yeah. h- how's that impacted you as an entrepreneur? I mean, how'd you write, a, how'd you write books doing that? Well, you know, um, believe it or not, eight eight out of the
1: 12 sharks uh, are are dyslexic. So Richard Branson, myself, Kevin O'Leary, Barbara, I think Rohan and uh, two others don't come to mind at the moment. Um, So it's fascinating. And I didn't really find out that I was dyslexic until uh, years on in life. I didn't find out I was dyslexic until uh, two way pagers came out, because you got to remember, as a dyslexic kid, I'd write a love note or I write a letter to my mom you know, my mother, oh, you know, Damon, hey, and she'll say, hey, you need to fix this. I write it to my teacher. She sends back the really nice, uh, you know, D minus. And I write a love letter to my girlfriend. She just leaves me and I never knew why. Uh, that she, didn't, she didn't understand what the hell I was saying, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but when communication started to come out to write to other people, emails and two-way pages, I would start sending stuff out. And I was, I probably just started getting a staff at the time and people would start getting those emails going on or two-way pages going ooh ooh uh. and you know one a couple of them would a couple of them would say hey D, you know this or if it was a really angry one to somebody they'd write back you dumb motherfucker you know what you sent me so either way <laughs> Either way, I started to, to understand that there was an issue there. And then I went and got tested and realized that I had dyslexia. But when I reflect on growing up as a child with dyslexia, I think the gift of dyslexia is the fact that um, if I had to read a book and I didn't retain anything as much as I should, I'd read it 10 times to make sure I retained things. I would also go out and try to execute things that it said to do because I wasn't certain if I retained it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also veered away from school, from um, history and English, but I really loved math and science, and uh, and started trying to build the areas I was good at numbers, uh, you know, and various other things. So, so listen, it, it is what I was born with. Twenty um, percent of the world is dyslexic. Seven presidents were dyslexic. Einstein was dyslexic, and eighty-five percent of personal sh- professional chefs are and over 40% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. So I don't think it's a problem. I think it's just a different form of uh, absorbing information.
0: Wow, I had no idea that was the data. The reason I go there is like, I think we're all really aware of our deficiencies. Like for me, it's one of the things you said, I walk into most rooms and I know I don't have the highest IQ in the room, you know, and I, but I didn't allow that thing I was aware of that was my, one of my deficiencies to make me believe I couldn't be successful or win. I think a lot of people listen to this. They're like, well, yeah, y'all winning, but you don't know this thing about me. Like I've got this divorce or I had this bankruptcy or I'm dyslexic or you know, my dad's been locked up or whatever the thing is. And they start using that thing as the thing in their mind that will cause them not to succeed. And then I'm reading about you because I wanted to do this justice because I have such respect for who you are and also the, your message. When I heard you talk, I'm like, I love what he has to say. So you're building FUBU, you literally, cause I want entrepreneurs to hear this cause in COVID this is happening a lot. You had to shut it down a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, I want everyone to understand this. Take us through that a little bit. Cause that's, I think most people think it's over, game closed, door shut, I'm out. Well, that didn't just happen once with you, right?
1: Correct. So I shut it down three times from 89 to 92. It did not happen once, but I was always able to recover from the shutdown because I was taking affordable steps, right? I was acting, I was learning, and I was repeating the act. Um, so I would lose $500, $1,000, and honestly, I didn't know, I didn't know if I wanted to start over again, again, it was another hustle, another passion that I had, well, this one was more passion, all the other ones, the other ones were due purely to make money, and I didn't love what I was doing, so I ended up quitting or, or closing up whatever shop it was, and not wanting to go further, but when I would close this business, and people would say, man, I wore this shirt, I've been looking for you at the mall or at the, at the kiosk, you, where were you? I, I, I can't, it started to call me back and I found more reasons than the business that called me back. I, was, I found, well, I felt like a place of belonging. I felt like I was adding value to other people. You know what, I got shirts, I got my 10 little shirts but i'm going on video sets where rappers like lo J, salt and pepper rundy and c are performing i would have paid to go on that set to watch the greatest artists as far as i'm concerned of all times my time perform but yet when the security is kicking all the kids off i'm like yeah <clears throat> I'm here to uh, dress the artist, uh, you know? So they would kick me off last. Plus I was hollering at all the video vixens and I was getting free food from the craft services. So it was a win-win for me. So even if I went to 40 video sets and only five put my stuff in, 35 of the video sets, I I couldn't wait to be there. So it was a win all around. And that's what a lot of times when entrepreneurs see that, they are challenged. They find ways to figure it out because there's so many more things than just the monetary, usually the monetary reward is an afterthought of your actions and the lessons you've learned and the drive yep. and your dedication um and, and that's what i found it to be
0: did you have to get a job in between like you shut it down you went and get a regular oh, old job
1: yeah. oh my god so um i i worked at red lobster for five years as i did fubu um because you know yeah. at the end of the day don't let shark tank spo- uh you know fool anybody here when kevin o'leary says well i want my partner to work full-time on the business okay if you're doing or half a million, a million or whatever the case is, but you know, I worked at Red Lobster for five years and I slept three three hours a night. I rented out my house that I had to strangers. So I had three bedrooms. I rented that out for $25 a piece each bedroom. I slept in the sleeping bags next to the sewing machines as we were sewing clothes. In the morning from 6 to 11 a.m., I would answer the at that time a, a, a voicemail machine and, and sew and deliver hats. I'd go to Red Lobster from 12 to 10 o'clock at night, work a double shift, come home and, and, then, and then sew more hats and answer more things from 12 to three and then get back up at six in the morning. I repeat it all over, but I was hopefully taking care of the mortgage by renting out the house at $25 a room. So I was getting $75 a week there. I had insurance uh, at Red Lobster. I was taking all the fried shrimp home, all the food home, and I was making $30,000 a year, which is not a lot, but you equate that to you equate that to five years, that's $150,000. I would have had to do $2 million in business at uh, FUBU to do that, um, and I was able to I was able to last until I was able to now, you know, increase my time from, you know, 20 percent on FUBU to 80 percent on FUBU and 20 percent of Red Lobster.
0: And then and then hopefully take it to where I wanted to go. This is exact. This is the real entrepreneur story. This is what I wanted. Thank God you just said that. Like, I'm so <laughs> glad because like I, just so everybody knows, like same with me. I had a house. I was doing well. I did well enough. So like I quit my job. I was full time. My first big business. I bought a house. Then I went broke. Then I was stocking shelves and I did the same thing. I rented rooms out in my house so I didn't lose the damn house as I built my business. I just hope all entrepreneurs get a little hope when they hear this. And also they hear the hard part in there, which is like, hey, I slept three hours. I was psycho, I was psycho. So, and by the way, when people seem really smart, like Damon does, or I have something to say, a lot of it is experience. Experience is one of the best teachers, man. And that's why he knows so much about being an entrepreneur because he's done so much of it. Now I want to ask you this on Shark Tank. How many events that you've invested in, percentage-wise, roughly? Winners, losers. What you would consider a winner, loser? What would you say of where you put your your efforts and monies? What percentage of the ones you've gone in on have been winners and losers?
1: So I say thirty percent of winners. I would say thirty. Well. Thirty percent of winners, thirty percent of losers, and thirty percent are still trying to figure their way out. Yep. And we happen to have, of course, uh, um, you know, we have to happen to have a little bit more of an upside on Shark Tank because you look at traditional venture; it's probably one and a half to two percent uh, to two twenty percent, excuse me, yes. or one out of ten are winners. We happen to have a five million dollar commercial on that product exactly. and/or that company when it happened, so that's why I get I got a little bit more of an upswing. However. My downside is a little bit more also because Shark Tank, sometimes I will emotionally invest in people that may not have the the, wor- the, the best thing in the, in the world, but I know that the entire world are watching them. And if I invest in them, I can potentially bring them to somebody else um, that may be more specialized in their area and give them more help that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a perfect example of that, and I don't want anybody to say, well, that's a charity, a perfect example of that is the three kids that came on with a cutboard product that their father had passed away and their mother passed away. But their father passed away nine nine eleven related um, causes. But and normally that cutboard probably would not have went where it has gone. But we licensed it to William Sonoma. The entire world got behind it, and it is one of the best selling products in William Sonoma. So you got that healthy balance of so people that really need that stage, that really need help, but simultaneously they're inspiring a lot of people around the country and around the world so anyway to answer the question um i got i got it i got a little bit of a, a stacked deck when it comes to the successes yeah. but i got a little bit more of the challenges when it comes to the challenges
0: yeah i want to figure out a little bit from you what the winners and losers have one of my favorite ones you did is bomba socks and yeah. i want people to hear about this because i had blake mccoskey on my on who did tom's shoes kind of a similar yeah. concept right yeah but i feel like Maybe this, these guys taught you something too. I'm learning, you know, I'm turning 50 this year. I'm learning more about what I think the consciousness of the world is now in terms of the businesses people want to support. Maybe it's a little bit different than when I was a kid, you want to be like Mike. It was almost like you want to be like this hero. It seems to me now people want to be a part of something else. So Bob Bomba Stocks be a good commercial, but also like why it's working and the, the fundamentals of it so that entrepreneurs listening may need to sow some of these seeds in there. Yeah, I think you hit a a
1: fantastic point. So Blake uh, uh, is a guest shark this year, and he definitely um, is is the pioneer of the social causes behind things. And there's so many different things we can learn from Bomba Socks. So by the way, Bomba Socks is the number one invested product in Shark Tank history. Number one, right? So I get those bragging rights because when you you ever see those other underachievers, I call my fellow sharks, just remind them that I shared that great information with you. Now- Here's a couple of things you can look at from Bomber Socks. Number one, when they came on, they were, they were pitching socks. And the last person they should have been pitching was me because I had 10 clothing brands and eight of them were already dead. The last thing I wanted was another clothing brand. Mm. So I was the last one they should be pitching. But often when you're pitching somebody and or a customer, they don't know what you want until you present and package it in the right way and show a unique uh, way of a selling proposition but what they realized was i was doing business the old way i was making clothes and hopefully a retailer will buy them and hopefully the retailer will put it on the shelf and hopefully somebody will buy it and if they didn't buy it I didn't know who they were to even follow up. So they were showing me that number one, I'm going to show you how to go direct to consumer, which we're seeing during COVID is especially critical. And, and and that's separating a lot of people and companies. Number two, they had a social cause to it. Every time they give a pair of socks away, they would also buy, sell a pair of socks. They would give a pair away to the homeless. Now, I'm a person that grew up in business where traditionally you gave at the end of the year or you gave to organizations. And even when I gave, um at the uh, two organizations i never advertised it i never marketed it because why make a profit off of the hardship of others kind of like the people you see give away food or a sandwich to a homeless person and they got a camera shoved yeah. right in their face going look at me yeah. and they're forcing this person not only to take a sandwich not forcing them but to even feel lower because yeah. they're on camera right yeah. so i never wanted to do that however That was how I worked 20 years ago. Today, with uh, user-generated content and people wanting to get behind something, they want to look through the layers of what you're doing and they want to tell people, not you, they want to tell people your story right and they feel that they can buy from anybody so if i'm going to buy from you what are you doing for other people i could buy socks from anybody so what i found is that not only they make a good pair of socks they're very focused on what it is but i found that uh, you know when people on zoom or the dinner table or 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 thanksgiving they say hey yeah, what do you do oh man you know i I gave away this year you know to this organization they would be like yeah well i gave i gave to 30 organizations this year wow you rich? No. But every time I bought this, I helped clean up the ocean. Every time I bought this, I helped stop human trafficking. Every time I bought this, I helped give a pair of socks to the homeless. And you know what? That is the marketing and that's good marketing. It's cause related. And, uh, you know, it's really important. And so people also can get penalized if they're not doing something for you. And by the way, don't just, don't just put a rubber stamp of something that you think is good. If people will also, uh, find out if you're not, you know, really true to what your core values are and what you're saying you're doing. So it, be, be honest about it, change the world and people will definitely
0: appreciate it. That's legit. Any of you that are entrepreneurs has given you such remarkable advice. You've got to find a way that there's some social viral aspect of what, you just got to be genuine. You can't, I don't think anywhere, I don't think, I think, ba- I think people smell bullshit a mile away. And like, there's gotta be transparency. You can't transfer to people that, which you're really not feeling and experiencing. It's gotta be something you really have a passion for. But if you can find a way to sow those seeds into whatever your business is, I don't care if it's a dry cleaners. If there's something that you do that extends beyond just cleaning clothes, you're special in this day and age. What did the, I'm curious, is there some commonality that we can learn from, from the ones that you said were the 30% that lost? Let's just say. Was there commonality in lack of effort of the entrepreneur, lack of execution? What would you say there's a common tread between the ones that have, I guess, failed?
1: The commonality in the winners and the commonality in the ones that didn't get where they should be are pretty much similar in some sense. There are many losers or who, 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 there are many that lose and then they start over more wisely in a different area. So that means that maybe the product and or the service, the thing they had was too soon, too early, or they yeah. hit some hiccups. However, just like Damon closing three times, they were able to do it, you know, but the ones who lose and generally lose and stay and stay in that area, unfortunately, are the ones who believe. Well, the shark is the shark. Got the shark knows everything. And now that I got a shark, my problems are over. And if, if, if I knew everything, then FUBU would be called Nike, right? And it's not, right? So they, they they use a shark as a crutch. Those are the ones, the ones who say, "Well, the reason if I had more advertising dollars out there, then I would, uh, or I had more money." Um, and, and they don't have the orders, they don't have those things, then I would do better. Well, money highlights your weaknesses as yes. well. You know, if you got if you're not moving in a product, and you know, um, you know, you have a shitty advertising campaign, well, a million dollars more in a shitty advertising campaign just means you spent more money on a shitty advertising campaign, or the product is inferior. Or you don't know how who your direct customer is. Those are the people that tend to fail. The ones who put big bets on the areas they don't know. Um, and those are the ones who drown in opportunity, as you want to call it. Or they say, if you have too many options, you don't have enough information.
0: Really good. You guys know why I wanted them on now? By the way, if you go to Damon's site, too, he's got a lot of different programs. Look, here's the deal, you guys. Most really successful entrepreneurs, here's such a rare combo you're a successful entrepreneur, I mean a real one and you create content because the truth is someone like Damon, and I'd like to think even myself, the return on creating content and helping entrepreneurs financially isn't as good as just executing in the businesses that we have. Right. So but the it- reason we do it is out of a sincere desire to serve people. That's what I've sensed from Damon and now I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, so convinced of it. So he's one of the real that you could learn from that creates content and by the way, like, uh, is it The Power of Broke? Is that the one I just read? Is that the title of it? Uh, I have Power Broke, I have Rise yeah. and Grind. The one is just out now, it's
1: called Power Shift. Uh, power yeah, Shift I, I try to put
0: power somewhere in something, you know, I try to fix it, put it in there, yeah. I just finished reading The Power of Broke. And by the way, you should get all five books. Guys, it's so good. Like, like there's books you read and you're like, I'm gonna highlight three or four things in here that I'm gonna remember. The problem with his book is like, there was very few areas I wasn't highlighting. Like the book was highlighted. And one of the things you talk about a lot is negotiation. So when you watch Shark Tank, that's a highlighted negotiation taking place, right? But like almost everything's negotiation. Yep. Like that's sales, communication, persuasion is negotiation. What are some of the nuances you could teach us the fine points of negotiation that most people are unaware of?
1: There's so many things that, you know, and I, and I think that you're right, right? What what separates us from the people who are successful? It's really what, what you have negotiated. And like you said, there are so many different forms of negotiation. Listen, trying to get the remote control away from your significant other or getting your child to get on the school bus or, or getting into the bathroom before your roommate is a negotiation, right? But you've got to negotiate with yourself first in the mirror in the daytime, you know, when you get up, right? Am I worth it? Can I do this? You know, why? why You know, and so here's, here's a couple of things of negotiation. First of all, know your why. Why are you getting into negotiation and know also in the negotiation what are you trying to accomplish Where, what is your bottom line and what is your top line All right also how do you build influence in the negotiation if you see somebody like a Ed Milet or a Damon John in the elevator you say Damon okay cool how would I build uh influence with you in 90 seconds in the elevator I didn't know I was going to speak to you well I remember uh, a, a, a young woman uh, I was in the elevator she told me her business and she had the perfect pitch it was simple here's my business Um, I know that I can have value to because here, because this is where I think you need. And you know what? I want to put some skin in the game and do this for 30 days, 60 days, a month, whatever the case is. Give me a contact over your company. And you know what? nothing comes out of it at least i tried and you know what no harm no foul she made the barrier entry extremely easy for me she had a name on her card very easy to follow up and she said let me speak to your people i'm not gonna even bother you Mm -hmm. right and she knew where i could potentially go in business i go out of the elevator i look up on social media every time i see her picture she looks great i keep seeing this guy next to her he keeps having the confederate flag on i keep looking at who this guy is it's her husband i go further into his page i I see that, you know, there's some things that are very questionable in my life about what I would do. She'll never know why I didn't call her, right? She didn't have to put all that information on there. You know what I mean? I mean, Mm -hmm. listen, whatever your political beliefs are, whatever your religious sexual beliefs are, that's totally up to you. But, you know, what, what our parents tell you, tell you, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. And when you're putting up stuff like that, you don't know who's watching the entire world. She lost her influence after she had already had the negotiation with me. So build influence with people. Then when you go in the room, when you discuss with don't let shark tank fool you shark tank, the world is not like shark tank, like you just said, the world is not eight minutes of high sharks and then you either leave with a deal or not, you almost never leave with a deal when you first meet somebody it's a dating process. Sure. And when you are talking to them, what's in it for the person you're talking to, not you, you got to realize that person has obligations, hopes and dreams, ask the right questions you see, even when I was writing that book power shift, I was a uh, uh, mark Cuban. He's in the book. He's highlighted a lot of people in the book, right? Billie Jean King, Pitbull, Chris Jenner, huge people. My guy who sits next to me every day on Shark Tank, I keep telling my team, contact him, I want to get this interview together and the deadline is coming up. He would not get on the phone and he would not um, uh, meet with people, with the writer. And my team was looking at me like, Hey, you know, Mark is not doing that. Now I said to myself, obviously, it's because I'm much smarter and much better looking than Mark. And, um, you know, he's intimidated or I can internalize it as this guy's an asshole. He sits next to me, but is this some Hollywood stuff he's on? Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: you know what I said? You're probably not asking Mark the right question. Mark is somebody who publicly gives out his email. He only, he loves texts and whatever the case is. He's not dyslexic. Did you ask him, can he do it over text? They said, we never asked, that's stupid. I said, ask him if he could do it over text. Interview was done in 24 hours. Now, Good. I could have internalized that, been offended. It's just like you walk in the room and, yep. you know, and like I said to you earlier, you know, where I came from, I could have walked in the room and somebody, I said, oh, it's because I'm black, isn't I? No, it's not because you're black. You got a damn booger hanging out, you know, as well. I'm looking at you weird, right? You know, so it's all about what's in for the other person. And then the final part of negotiation is how do you nurture the relationship? After that, and let it keep paying dividends. Whether you close the deal or not, how is that person going to call Ed and say, "Damon's a decent dude"? Or Damon's going to call about Ed and say, "Yeah, he's a good guy," or or do more deals after? That. And those are the processes of negotiating, and we can get way into it uh, much further. But a lot of people mess up
0: in those processes. Really, really good. You know, one of the things that happens when you're an entrepreneur is you're so nervous. Maybe you're not as confident in what you're going to say or you're not as confident in your product or service or what it is, and what happens is now you're so hyper-focused on yourself, you miss the major thing Damon just said, which is that the person that you're speaking to needs to know what's in it for them. And you spend all your time worrying about you and pitching you, that's huge. And then the other thing he said, man, I just gotta say this, the social media stuff, look, people say, hey, if you're not really yourself on social media, you're not being real and legit. Listen, you're not posting butt naked pictures of yourself every, there's a right. degree to which you reveal yourself. Right. And if you're going to post a bunch of controversial stuff all the time. It's, you're, it's going to impact you to some extent. So just be smart. Like you don't show all of you all the time and you shouldn't be doing that on social. So speaking of social, your life's interesting to me because it's like this you know, there's this first half of your life where you built this unbelievable, I don't know, brand and wealth and that other stuff. But then speaking to your social, so family stuff, I'm just curious with you. There's Yasmin and Destiny, right? Mm -hmm. How's How's that changed you? Like for me, I was a relatively successful entrepreneur. I had my ups and downs. But once I started, I had Max and Bella, like my, I don't know, maybe my risk tolerance changed a little bit and also my desire level to make them proud of me. You know, I don't know how to explain it. it, was, it was, I, I became a much deeper committed human yeah. than I was prior to having children. What, did, same or what?
1: Yeah, I think children change. Your life. So I was fortunate enough to have Yasmin and Destiny when I was uh, early thirties and I just came in on Money with FUBU. Um, and I, I had them, uh, My excuse me, my, my, my first wife had them. Right. And I was busy at that time. I think like most nervous parents were to say, I finally got this bite at the apple at FUBU. Um, um, how much money can I make to make sure that these little girls will have the resources they are, they're going to need as they grow older? And I don't care if I work for you know uh, the sanitation department. I would have just worked over hour uh, every every extra hour I could have gotten. And and as most parents here is. I would sleep in a cardboard box if I had to give my kids the things they needed. Um, My daughter now that I'm fortunate enough to have remarried and my ex-wife is my best friend and and my my two older girls are great citizens and great human beings. So I'm very, very fortunate for that. But now it's how much love can I give this little girl? You know, it's a little different than before. Even though I love my other daughters, but now it's how much love because as we all know as parents, my daughters grew up like that. It just was a blink of an eye. Um, And that's why in Rise and Grind, I wrote I wrote Rise and Grind about that because one of the biggest challenges we'll always have is work life balance. It's a big question everybody asks, and your work life balance changes. You know the Damon John at 22 years old, I didn't have any obligations, um, right? I didn't have kids. I I had I was I was able to eat pizza and not have heartburn all night and sleep three hours a day, right? Um, so that was a different Damon John. The Damon John at 45 and 50 is the Damon John that learned a couple of lessons of work-life balance. you know when I was 30 years old I traveled the world twice and I shook everybody's hand on the planet four times and the whole world was purely a conference room, an airport, a hotel and a dinner. Uh, the Damon John now travels world steals an hour or no steals a day you know, to pull my shorts up to my nipples and have a camera and put I love Greece and walk around, right? Or or instead of going to a club, go diving, you know, <laughs> instead of going to a club, go diving off a different coast, because I've seen every club, but I haven't seen every coast, every, every coral reef in Thailand or whatever the case is. Mm. And prioritize, you know, and when I get up in the morning, I don't look at social media for the first hour. I don't look at, um, I don't look at emails for the first hour because the first hour of looking at social media, well, if you look at there, everybody's skinnier and sexier and wealthier than you when they just screwed up. And if you open up emails, you're letting, while you're in the bed, you're letting people tell you their problems. They're telling you their problem. I've never gotten an email that said, you know, that problem yesterday, I've solved it and there's $5 million on its way. So I don't do that. And I write down what i'm going to do first in my life during the course of the day because normally our schedule goes what train or plane or conference call or zoom am i going to be on and this and that and then you know when we were running around it was how i'm going to have two different dinners with clients that i don't run really to want to see you turn around you don't ever see your wife or your children and what happened one day was my and this is why i caused to write rise and grind because i was out with one of my colleagues we on a speaking gig and he said and he lives in san fran uh, san diego and he said i gotta get home i said why i gotta get home I gotta take my two daughters, one is 12, one is 13, I gotta take them on separate dates. I said, they're 12 and 13, why would you have to take your daughters on separate dates? He said, because if I don't take my daughters on dates, how will they ever know how a man is supposed to treat them the first time they go on a date? And it just punched me in my gut, bang! Opens the door, goes around the car to open the door. You know what I mean? let uh, lets her order first and and all the, you know, all of, all the various things. And I said, I have not been putting my personal life, my criteria, the things that are important to me before everybody else. And that's why we're rising and growing. So those are the things that have changed in my life as I've grown uh, as a man. And I'm still learning every single day how to be a better husband, a better person uh, and and everything else. That's what I mean about your humility.
0: That's what I mean. And and by the way, guys, in my book, uh, I say, hey, don't check your email and your texts and stuff in the first hour. And I have to tell you that I learned that from him all right oh, nice. you've been saying that for a long time and i'm like that's exactly what i do i roll over and i start reacting i'm into my problems yeah. immediately yeah. and i do exactly that and the other thing he said too it's like you know there are dads we both know these guys or moms but just take dads because we're men who that date thing comes very natural to them of course i'm going to do that with my daughter i think high power in general high-powered achievers psycho people like us and many of the people listen to this that stuff isn't naturally occurring to us and so and and then by the way, the guy who that occurs to very easily, he may not be able to achieve and produce like we do. And so it's important to be conscious of those things because I do that now. I do date nights and stuff with my daughter too, mainly because other people taught me it. I, what I, probably my daughter would have left my house, man, after 18 years, it would have never occurred to me that I should have done those kinds of things with my daughter. My dad didn't do it with my sisters, and it's just I'm blowing and going all the time so that's what happened to me with destiny
1: as me. And i didn't do that with them i do it i'm going to do it now with mine. that she's four but i so i hopefully i
0: got you know i got i don't know i don't know whatever 13 years or whatever i wish i could do it one more time that would be so cool have a baby now speaking of that just life-wise i got to ask you what this is like you just found out or recently found out or you have siblings that you didn't know about, yes. I'm about this. is this actually well, so,
1: you know, so my father left when I was uh, 10 and I never see or speak to him ever again. And I knew that um, I heard that he had had uh, two daughters and um, I was waiting um, till they were of age to reach out to them and contact them because obviously, you know, uh, I knew that he probably, you know, was either ashamed or whatever the case is or didn't okay. you know, want. And I finally did, you know, and, and the universe brought itself together because they found out who I was and I wow. found out who they were. And, you um, You know, about three years ago, you know, um, you know, we got together and uh, uh, and I've never experienced that type of love in my life. I never had a sibling. So I never understood how it is to have uh, an, of course, it's more females. I don't have any males in my in my in my life, which is which is a blessing. But there's a certain type of love you have with a daughter. A certain type of love you have for a wife, a certain type of love you have for a, um, a mother, but a sister is just a different love. And after fifty years to to experience this type of love, you know, it's 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 really enriching, and uh, it's a
0: great thing. Dude, that's so cool. That is a trip. So you knew they existed, you just didn't have them in your life. You had to wait for the right time.
1: Right, because um, uh, I think my I think my sister is now tw- uh, twenty six, but up until eighteen or whatever it is, eighteen or twenty one, if I were to reach out to them. I didn't know how this guy would respond, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to meet or see my father. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with the fact. I think that I wouldn't be here without him. That life has just happened to me at that point, point. Okay. Um, and I wouldn't have taken the role as a man of the house and and taken. You know, I. I my my family, my, that side of my family is Trinidadian, and, and it's, it's part of uh, Indian culture. And I would have more likely have been an engineer or a computer programmer. Nothing wrong with that, um, but I wouldn't have been the entrepreneur that I am today. What a
0: trip. So, a couple things left. I'm, about I'm enjoying this so much. Just so you know, I knew when we talked I would enjoy it. We're like, I'm enjoying it to a degree that. Yeah, me too. You know, I would do this. You know, what I mean, I would do it if it was just you and me talking. I would not even put this out. But I'm asking a hard question because it's interesting. You met me at 25, or you at 25 or 30. There, there's a there's something better about me in some ways at that age than you would get now. There was a scrappiness and edginess of fire, something. I still have more, and so do you, than 99.9% of the planet has, but they're just something different when you're hungry, right? So you know what I mean. It's like how hard a dude will fight to become heavyweight champion of the world compared to a once are heavyweight champion of the world. Not that either one of us are heavyweight champions, but the principle, you understand the point. So there's a lot to be learned from that 30-year-old me, that 30-year-old you. But there's also a lot to be learned from the more experienced one, too. So here's the hard question, because I've been thinking about this for me, too. What did you used to believe when you were 30 about business or life that you no longer believe to be true? Something that you believe
1: that you no longer believe. Excellent question. Never been asked that before. And as I reflect on what I believed about life was that the whole theory of I'll sleep when I'm dead, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of uh, go, you know, maximize your hours. And it wasn't necessarily working hard and not smart. It was a combination of both. But it was like how dare you um not uh how dare you sleep when you know that you're willing to get up before everybody and go to bed after everybody well then why would you do it um Mm. i gotta tell you when i was um i must have been right before fubu really took off and i was right in that lull area of not working at red lobster but still working on fubu and fubu wasn't defined yet and um I, I literally thought I was going crazy for about six months because I was actually sleeping like seven hours or eight hours a day and I couldn't go to sleep. I, I just, I literally thought now I'm not a person who is suicidal or anything like that, but I got to say it was the closest I got to wow. just being going crazy. Um, so in, in, in life, I would think that uh, back then you know, I, I did like to take care of my health i was uh training uh you know um for fitness competitions but i never competed but i liked it but why was i training i wanted to get girls you know uh you know i wanted to i wanted to blow off steam right but it wasn't about having health because then i'd eat i'd eat a bucket of fried chicken or whatever the case is and that wasn't a problem my you know whatever the case is so the theory of taking care of yourself internally um, was not as important then. And it was like, who cares? Just go hard as long as you're not being, going out there and, uh, you know, doing bad things. Um, I think in business, um, my theories then were, it, you know, acquire, acquire. It's wreckable, it's wreckable. It's like mm-hmm. acquire, go through it. You know, use your tools, like, you know, like build your army, move forward, hurry up and be in different industries because you never know which one will pop. And, and then I learned that, no, be, be more slow and methodical. Um, don't necessarily rush. You know what? It's more the things that you take on that can hurt you than the things you say no to say no oh more. My
0: gosh, is that true?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's say no more. Um, also it was the numbers look good. I, I know, but in your gut is telling you something about the person. no, 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 no. But the numbers look good and I got it. Let's go. No, now it's, I don't know if even I have an answer for you, but something about this, I just don't like it. I don't feel, everything is great. Sorry, I don't, I don't even know
0: if I have the answer. Maybe I'll figure out the answer later. God, is that not true? <laughs> the last <laughs> two things, trust your damn intuition. Gosh, that's so true. There's been so many times like, this just looks too good, but there's something about this dude. I just, he may not even be a bad dude. We just don't vibe. It's not gonna click, you know, same yeah. exact thing. And saying no. I said no to absolutely nothing for about 20 years. Yeah. It complicated my life. It stressed my life. It took focus away from my life. Man, I so, oh my God, I totally agree with you on that. Like <laughs> a million, a million percent. So you speak about health. I just want to know this because I have had a little bit myself. You had a little bit of a, almost got this wrong before we went on air, which would have been funny, but you had a thyroid cancer issue, right? So yeah, yeah. that change anything? Like, did it change your perspective on, time or your wellness your health like tell us about that a little bit
1: yeah you know and i i think i, I put it in one of the books but I, I i would rather tell you it now it's so so listen uh at at one point uh a, a buddy of mine um a really well-known guy you may or may not know i don't know the name is bernie human he he discovered a small act out of austria named uh, Siegfried and roid yes. and brought them to uh yes. to vegas and then he also managed this, this this boxer that he met when he was 15 years old named uh cassius clay um really, really,
0: uh, you know he
1: wrote he wrote he wrote him home on his bicycle on the front on the, on the on the on the on the handlebars of his bicycle told his dad he went to the jewish community his dad is jewish he went to his jewish house uh where he lived and said dad and dad was like hey who's on your bike oh this guy's gonna be the next heavyweight champ in the world what's his name cassius clay so um That's how I, that
0: happened i did not know that wow. yeah yeah yeah
1: so um uh, I was out one day with him, and he said, "With all the money you got, why don't you take? You, you, why don't you have an executive physical?" And I said, "I don't know what an executive physical is." Remember, I never worked in a corporation. I've had a business, and you call it a corporation, yes. Um, I said, "What is it?" He said, "Just go have one." So I realized that an executive physical is uh, they put you through, you know, twenty machines over the course of two days, and they check everything on you. And usually, I was like, "I'm okay." The doctor grabs something on me, tells me to cough and you know, sticks his finger in my ass and then tells me to go about my way. No problem. Um, and I've been healthy ever since, as far as I was concerned. I go to see, I go to get this executive physical. They said there's a little bump on your car, uh, carota, uh, in this area when they were looking for my karata, excuse me, do a little bump here. I go to the doctor, they do a biopsy. They said 90% of chance. We're going to be able to tell what it is. 10% chance. We can't, of course, 10% chance. They can't doctor says, listen, you have a little nodule on your thyroid. We want to, if you were 90, I would say leave it there, but you're 50 years old or 47 or 49. I would say, take it out, but here's the chance. 50% chance you're taking out half of a person perfectly good thyroid, 50% chance. It could be problematic. I go take it out. The one hour surgery becomes three and a half sur- hour okay. surgery.
0: Okay.
1: They take it out. It's the size of a golf ball. It's a mass. I didn't know I had, hmm. I say, and you know, you talk to doctors, they never give the damn answer. I said, what is it? Is it cancerous? Uh, I can't tell you. I don't know. Let's send it away. You know you know what it is. Just send it away. All right, send it away. They're gonna say we're gonna take two weeks for you to find out what it is. In that two weeks, the first week, I said to myself, I had I had to do the why. I had to have the negotiation with myself. I said, you know what? I've lived 10 lives that other people have not lived. I have two beautiful daughters. My my mother's still alive. I don't want to see my mother die. And I have a sp- I have three beautiful daughters because I have a super hot wife and a youngest daughter. And if I get rid, if, if I die, my youngest daughter will never remember me. She's three three years old, two years old. My wife is so smoking hot; she's gonna have another husband in a week. My mother is is great, and I don't will never want to see me bury my hut, my mother, and my other two daughters are great citizens uh, and great human beings. And you know what? Maybe I need I need to down, I need to slow down my life anyway. I'm hectic with all these companies, and I need to enjoy myself. But I realized at that point. I'm actually being selfish. I'm being very, very selfish. Why should I leave my wife? She's finally fell in love with somebody she felt to be around forever. Why should my little girl not see me? Why, how what parent should ever bury their child? Uh, you know, and why should my daughter not let not be there and have their father walk them down the aisle? And I turned around and then within a couple of days I said, I'm gonna beat this shit no matter what it comes back. Guess what? I am going to be around for my mother to see me. By the way, I do sleep next to a smoking hot woman every night and I better enjoy it. Right. I do have a little baby and I'm going to walk my girl down. I, you know what? And in one week, I forgot I was even waiting for results. Wow. To come back. You know, I had that negotiation. And when the results came back, I was like, what the? Oh, shit. It's cancerous. Okay, no problem. He comes and checks me, though, and says, listen, as of right now, you can't, you're cancer free. Uh, we're going to still keep an eye on this. But I totally forgot that I even had it, mm-hmm. right? Wow. And so at that point, I, I decided to, to uh, I didn't want to go public with it at first because you know how I go, people hear half ass a story, half a story, and I started getting calls, Damon. I heard about the cancer, you're dead. I just answered the phone, asshole. I'm not dead. But I, I decided to to tell people because what I realized is entrepreneurs, we don't take care of ourselves. We take care of everybody else. And uh, if I can get just somebody to go out there and urge assist sister, their brother, their father, themselves to get that endoscopy, pap smear, mammogram, uh, colonoscopy, then I did my job, you know?
0: And, uh, and, and that's what I wanted to share with people. That was one of my favorite stories of all time, the way you laid that out. That was freaking Thank awesome. You. Something about that, I had a heart issue when I was young and this doctor did this to get me to take the medication. He did that whole thing with me. Like, Hey, you got a hot wife. He goes, you okay with some other dude living in your mansion with your hot wife. And by the way, some other dude walks your daughter down the aisle on her wedding day. Ooh. Something about that walk your daughter down the aisle on her wedding day thing is big for a dad. Absolutely. And one of the reasons I'm pretty relatively fit is all those mornings on the road when I don't want to get up Bella's wedding, Bella's wedding. It's a bigger reason than how tired I am, you know? And so I'm 1,000% with you. I love this. I want to ask you one more. First off, guys, you already do, but make sure you're following Damon. Make sure you're going to his site, getting his books, participating in his programs. Go see him speak when COVID's up. Trust me. It's one of the best you'll ever see. I like when he gets interviewed as much as when he speaks because you can pull so many things out of his big brain. But I want to ask you a question. I've never asked anybody this on the show because no one ever asks me this, but I'm curious. Did becoming successful, and be, you know, I know you'll be honest, becoming Successful to the extent that you have. Is it what you thought it would be? Better, or not all it's cracked up to be?
1: Um it, it, it depends on what stage of my life I was at. Uh, you know, when when I was younger and FUBU had started to take his decline then the ego kicked in of me wanting to go back out there and make sure that people didn't feel I was a one-trick pony and various other things so I still needed to prove myself to myself as well as to people and it it was a little bit of it was a little bit of both what I thought it would be and uh, what I didn't think it would be because um, I still had le- some levels of insecurity in life I still had um, hopes and dreams um, so that was, something I didn't think would happen uh what did I think would happen yeah I can I could I could afford to do most of the things I want in life however if I tried to keep up with the Joneses then I wouldn't be able to afford that forever because you know like I said you there's always somebody who has more than you and you know you need to be comfortable where you're at to make sure that you have everything for the long game um, if I had to look back over my life and say, what did, what did I have to do to get to this point? And if somebody would have laid that out to me at 15 or 20 years old, I would say, well, hell no, I don't want to do that. I'd rather, i rather just have a regular, regular life. Um, however, when you're in the middle of it and you know, you, you're too close to it, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of those saying when you can't see, you, you can't see the whole elephant if you're only looking, if you're only a foot up on the elephant, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it, 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 but is it great? Where I am now is extremely, extremely, um, um, uh, it, it is, it is It is great, great, great where I am now um, because, uh, you know, uh, being, being, unfortunately, being one of the only, being the only African-American who has this level of uh, public notoriety that has nothing to do with sports music or politics it's, uh, it's the fact that, as I've shared with you, as you know, I, I didn't have any resources. I didn't have an education. And when people look at me, uh, I think they look at entrepreneurship and say, well, if his dumbass can make it, anybody can make it. And I hope I, hope I get that across to people. So whether it's your gender, your color, your creed, your sexual preference, uh, nothing can hold you back. And when you stand on that carpet in front of Ed Miletto or whoever the case may be, that carpet... Care that carpet doesn't care about anything else besides the work that you're ready to put in, mm-hmm. and I think that being a, a hopefully a, a somebody who who can be uh, inspire other people and know that maybe the next Oprah Winfrey or Steve Jobs is 12 years old in their pajamas, eating a bunch of Fruit Loops, watching Shark Tank, or watching me somewhere else, and they're going to go out there and change the world. Um,
0: that is an extremely inspiring place to be in my life, brother. I'm so glad you said what you said at the end there. Um, Cause I know you get complimented all the time, but I was thinking about actually i pray every night and I knew we were going to do this today. So you just on my mind. So it came up in my prayer last night. I just wanted to tell you this for what it's worth from one man to another, I don't know why this makes me emotional, but it's interesting who God chooses in life. And it's interesting how our lives work. I know for me, becoming a successful entrepreneur, there's elements of it that are a thousand times better making dreams come true for family members. I never envisioned if a family member got sick, Then there's the other thought, I thought I'd never have any worries or problems. And I thought all my insecurities would go away. Well, none of that crap happens, you know, but there's been blessings, but in your case, you know, and I know you're living it still, you're one of those things where you're too close to the elephant still to understand, but you're one of the most important social and cultural icons in the history of the business world. And the reason is because you are a black man and you have become in this very prominent role. And if God chose you for a reason, because of your humility, He also chose somebody with this anointed ability to communicate and the breadth of experience. I have a funny feeling that if I met the 30-year-old you, I'd have liked you, but I think I like this version of you a lot more. And you're so important because there are millions and millions and millions of people who just think they're different, whether it's their skin color, their religion, their sexual preference, whatever it might be. And you have been the most prominent person on television for more than a decade that looked different than everybody else did and gave them hope and the way you articulate it and thank god he picked somebody who could teach people how to do it at the same time so I have really huge admiration for you.
1: Well I, I truly definitely appreciate you. I mean words can't say how you know because obviously I respect you as thank as you. colleagues and stuff like that. And, and yeah it, it's an honor and I and I definitely appreciate it. And and I just hope that I can set an example for somebody come out there and be more uh successful than me and more like you know and And can spread the message, you know, in in a much more powerful way. Hopefully I'm just a stepping stone to somebody else who's going to do it in a bigger and better way, but I'm happy where I am now and I'm going to keep trying.
0: Yeah, you're not just inspiring, you're mentoring him. That's what's cool about social and digital and coming to see people speak. He can mentor you if you just get connected with his work and his content. I loved today, Damon. So thank you so much. I Anytime, really brother. I'm,
1: I'm really, really happy about it and entertained by it. And I, I keep learning from you. Thank you for what you're doing, man. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you, man. Stay safe. Where are you at right now? You're in I are mean, you... uh, La
0: Quinta, Palm Palm Springs, California. Uh, good place. Good place to be,
1: man. Stay safe, man. And uh, happy
0: holiday. Anytime you need me, I'm here. And uh, just you. let I'll me know. i you. I do need you. So I will be hitting you up. Uh, no problem. All right. Hey, everybody. Max out. God bless you. Share the show. Share this with people. This is The Ed Show.
1: Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring.